Welcome everybody to a kind of memorial type podcast here on a Sunday night, Joe. It's been a it's been a tough day, but it's been a tough few weeks. And uh, today, actually, there might be a good night's sleep in the in the Rice household. Uh, Dave Rice strangely officially resigns as the head coach at UNLV. Um, news broke. Earlier in the day, but uh, not official until about five thirty, six o'clock. Um, it's a tough day. We'll get into a lot more of that in a little bit, but um, I actually think there's probably some relief, right, Joe? I would think so. Um, for anybody that knew Coach Rice, he really wanted this to work more than any fan could have wanted it to work. I mean, as diehard as you are or I am or any of anybody else in that stadium, uh, he took it to another degree because, you know, he wanted he, – he wants UNLV basketball back on the map like when he played here. I think it's impossible. And uh, he'd be li- the, like to be the one to do it. Mm-hmm. But even now that he's not coach, he's still going to want it to be done because deep down he's – still a rebel fan and it's his alma mater and he has a lot of pride in it. And I think that's what, um, you know, one of the things that has to make it even more difficult for him. And, and I don't think external pressures mounted. I think the internal pressures to get it done because he needed to deliver to the fans, um, what he felt they deserved. And, and yeah, so in a sense, I think, um, in a way, it may be a relief. It may be a good night's sleep. I mean, you you know the guy well enough to know that um, he he put in the long long hours. Yeah. That that this wasn't somebody that took family vacations or, uh, you know, played thirty five rounds a week or oh, a, a year. On he he everything was basketball. He was in that office. He was studying game and. So he poured a lot of himself into that. And uh, so, yeah, now, you know, maybe maybe he'll be able to get some sleep within the next couple of weeks. Yeah. I, you know, it, it's been so difficult for me over the last few weeks and trying to kind of accept what was going to happen. Yeah, uh, it was. As, as it unfolded. Um. Because here's the real deal, man. It, when when Rice got hired, you know, I I truly felt in my heart that UNLV was finally given to the rightful guy, mm-hmm. and that um, there was nobody that was going to work harder, do more to make UNLV great again than David. And I I, I still feel that way, probably, but. Um, 
you know, today is a really rough day because I remember saying back when he was hired, well, if he can't do it, nobody's going to be able to do it. Yeah. And, uh, and that's, it's, that's a tough pill to swallow right now. You know, I felt similarly just because, um, you know, he knows the ins and outs of UNLV. UNLV is a unique university, unique booster system, unique administration. It's It's not all flowers it's not all roses it's difficult there's a lot of unique pitfalls and rice was well aware of those so and more so than any other coach that we've had since tark he mm -hmm. he knew what he was walking into and uh, i felt being armed with that knowledge would would give him an advantage and it probably did to some extent but um ultimately you know we could point at a lot of things um as why it didn't work out but I, i'm kind of looking at it from from a grand macro just step back um you know we, we could look at the finer details and say we didn't get we didn't have a point guard for five years yeah we'll get into which, that which, which is obvious but um i think ultimately and this is just a guess on my part looking at it um i think he wanted it he knows how rabid the it's a small fan base in, in Las Vegas, but it's a rabid fan base mm -hmm. and they're hungry. They're thirsty. Kruger took us to three, four NCAA tournaments in a row. Didn't have a success in the last two. I think he was well aware that he needed to make a splash and he wanted to get there and he wanted to get there quickly. And I almost liken it to, you know, you're up in the ninth inning bases are loaded. There's one out and you're down one run where a sacrifice fly might work, a single might work, you know, a lot of things could work. And I feel like, not, not that it was a desperation, but it was, was it maybe an overzealous, maybe being overzealous. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know the right word, but he wanted to make that impact. And, and that's why, you know, he goes out and gets all these really good players. Um, and in a sense, that was kind of a downfall be, or it, be, because it, it, it yep. didn't build a foundation we had egos transfers people that he just couldn't handle the rest of the staff couldn't handle you know you had some infighting and people looking for greener pastures because you know they only got you know 24 minutes a game or, or something along that line it was just a very high sense of entitlement with many players mm -hmm. and and that came from just being overzealous on the recruiting trail and trying to get it done. Well, I mean, I, I really think that um, this the, the 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 failure wasn't in an omission. It was in being very aggressive. Mm -hmm. And with my bas with my basketball team, when I watch UNLV play, I could handle wins and losses relatively easily. If the team is playing hard and they're playing together and they have some focus and they're just leaving it all out there on the court, I certainly could win live with the result you have to I've, i mean i've grown up a little bit and i've learned to accept that 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 that's what really counts and so from that respect i know rice gave every oh, bit of sweat blood and sleepless nights to this program i know he gave it his all so um in in that that respect yeah i can accept it was it enough in the end no it wasn't you you, you can't miss the ncaa tournament three years in a row at UNLV in spite of any underlying circumstances. You you just can't. Especially with the with the talent that he has Well, you know what? Even without that talent, sure. you still cannot miss the NCAA tournament for three years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we could argue what the actual criteria is, and everybody 
you know, we'll come up with a little bit of a different idea, but certainly not making the NCAA tournament for three straight years. It's just, it's something that's going to get any coach in hot water and it's going to be the end of the line here. This isn't Wyoming. This isn't Colorado state. Right. Yeah. Another analogy is like uh, somebody new to the dating game at 35 years old and goes out and gets all tens. It's going to be difficult for him to handle the high maintenance and the, the issues that come along with that, no matter what type of game plan he's got, he's not going to be able to foresee all the problems right. that are going to come along with with everything rolled into one. He's and he went out and recruited, you know, eight nine a year and had to to work with with what he had and then try and get these guys to buy in. And then when they struggled to buy in. He basically had to reset every single year, and like you said, that that's that was the biggest yeah, deal. I, I, I think he he believed he could get the best out of each player. He right. knew there was some garbage surrounding them or their circles, but he always believed in his heart he was going to get the best out of them. He could reach them and get them to just comply and be straight on the straight and narrow and see things the same way he saw them, and... Um, you know, he, he in all of his years here, you never seen him throw a player under the bus, have you? No. No, no, no. Do you I mean, think plenty of chances? There was <laughs> Yeah, there 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 were probably more chances to throw a player under the bus than his total number of, of wins at UNLV. Right. I mean there there was he always took the bullets and he just grinned and bared it and tried to make the best of the situation and, and I think until the very end he always thought that he was going to be able to get the best out of players. He showed extreme loyalty to his players. And, you know, players today are a little bit different. It's They'll, they'll see uh, kindness and they'll look at it as weakness. Right. And in today's day and age, that may be true. It may be true. Whereas, you know, if you look at kids growing up in the 60s, 70s, 80s, you know, if they, they hit a rough patch and you get their back and you show them support and you help them through it, they're going to die they're, with you. They're, they're going to run through a brick wall for you. And, right. and that, that's a change in the players. And, and maybe he thought the old school method of that would work. And it clearly, you know, as well as I do, it didn't. I mean, mm-hmm. players they took got chances and they, they took advantage of it. And, and it, absolutely backfired year after year after year in his five years the only team that didn't take advantage of him was the first team. was the very first team that was yeah. already a rock solid foundation of a unit the very next year all brand new players except three right marshall hawkins and lopez were the only ones back after that after that year moser took took off right um you know and and we immediately saw the likes of Caton and Anthony Bennett and and uh, you know those players starting a new a new trend and that was Carlos alluded to that. Did you read that tweet he wrote the no, other day, I Carlos did not. Lopez? Uh-uh. Um, it, it, he tweeted out something to the effect of, uh, I believe this was after UNLV lost to Colorado State. Was he sensed a vibe mm-hmm. when he was on the team his his senior year? that there was a definite change in players. It mm-hmm. became more about me and less about the process and about right. the game plan and about the season. Right. And and I think that's telling. I mean, I th- we know that. You and I 
a lot of fans they saw that up close and personal mm-hmm. and um it, it's sad because you had in terms of talent you you had enough sure but oh, talent yeah. is such a small part Very of small. the equation to success. And, in fact, it, uh, it, it hinders you when you're only going to have these players for one year, and those players know it, and uh, they need to, to shine. And regardless of the outcome of the game, if, if their box score looks good, they're happy. Uh, yeah, that's something that's always bothered me when you see the uh, smile after – a loss or looking at the stat sheet after a loss. I think that's just the Bryce one. John Joe. I mean, the list it, goes it, on and on. I mean, I remember he brought in that. Just, I remember UNLV lost a heartbreaking game in not an hour or maybe it was two hours after the game. There was a tweet from Kate and Reinhardt talking about this shake is hella good. He was at a drive through and I thought to myself, who who plays who competes like that mm-hmm. a loss should devastate you it should piss you off it should make you want to get back in the gym not you know this they put a lot of strawberries in my hey you, you sonic know. here we go yeah so and and that's something you have to adjust to as a coach i think the different players i think they're more difficult to manage nowadays especially when you're talking about the elite recruits and it just wasn't there yeah and you know what it's unfortunate that Rice was able to recruit at that level. In because, retrospect, yeah. Because I think if he went out and got a bunch of three-star guys, a bunch of Anthony Marshalls. Yeah, you're going to win. And uh, he got them four years ago. We'd be a really, really, really good team right now. And he'd be very solid as a head coach. Yeah, I, I think that's where the biggest mistakes uh, were. You know, you hear a lot about X's and O's, schemes, this and that. But um, when people aren't on the same page, I don't care what the scheme is, mm-hmm. it's going to it's gonna look ugly. It, it is. Um, you just – last game, it, God, in so many of the last few games, you just see uh, – I guess disengaged is the best word I could use to look at it. Not from everybody. But from some key players that were on the floor. And, and and also another thing, word gets around through the players. You go to UNLV, you know, you can get your shots. You can. Sure. You know. Sure. You can do uh, you. I, I think that started a long time ago. I think that's why UNLV became transfer U. They became a magnet. And that probably started probably with Spoon. Mm-hmm. With with the transfers, a little bit with Baino when we got Lou Kelly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, you know, there was a gaping hole offensively, and Lou, machine gun Lou Kelly, could come in and get up as many shots as he wanted. I think it started pretty much back then, and then UNLV gained some momentum. Um, Spoon hit the Juco's pretty heavy. And I do think UNLV got that reputation of being a place to go where you could play right away and you could get the shots you need and then when you start taking a lot of transfers you start you start getting some headbutting over those shots i, I thought it was funny uh, or not funny but it, it told peculiar a, yeah well it told a story uh tonight lamar bigby who who coaches around town the the las vegas knicks in the aau circuit uh he put a tweet out saying i hope the next coach is more committed to four-year players rather than all these one and dones. Yeah, and and ironically, I think that's what he started to do again with these um Absolutely. with the players that he's brought in the last couple of years and the incoming class coming. 
four-year guys. Yeah, all three- and four-year type of guys. And, and But the problem is the players that he had this year, the Seagears, and, man, I mean, we can get to Pat later on. Maybe we'll get to him tonight. Maybe we'll get to him at another time. I have a story on the front page uh, dissecting uh, what went wrong in the last or what basically was going to get Rice fired. Uh, and, and a lot of it had to do with the way McCall's played the last nine games. Mm-hmm. Uh, made less than two field goals in five games of nine. If Best it, player can't do that, ever. Can't. He can go in a one-game slide right. and, and struggle. He can't not play well for a nine-game stretch and be a successful basketball team. Not when the team's counting on them that much. Right, and the the backcourt has been downright awful. Um, you know, you had some substitutions that came in and made a difference, like Poyser was good in, in, in a couple of games. Cornish was good in a couple of games. Um, but between, you know, Nuwamu and, and Seagers and McCaw, it's been – you can't even say bad. It's It's been – Worse than bad. They're not doing anything offensively. They're not defending. They're not doing. Well, Pat did a decent job yesterday against um, Jordan. No, I mean against uh, Josh. Josh Josh Adams. I think he was like three for thirteen or two for fourteen or something like that from the floor. So he did a decent job there um, on the shots. Maybe not on the penetration so much. It it led to some breakdowns. But you just you, you college basketball is a guards game. And I don't think that's going to change any time in the new f- near future. You've got to have adequate guard play. You just you're not going to win without it. And um, New Mexico struggled with it horribly when they went through their losing stretch with the number of turnovers. Cullen Neal getting benched. Yeah. Uh, poor shot selection when their guards were awful. Mm-hmm. Well, I wouldn't say that because Elijah Brown was still he was good, up pretty good. But their half-year backcourt was struggling badly, and they drop four games in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but that's going to happen to any team, especially um, if you got guys coming off the bench and aren't ready to fully step in and and take the reins for that period. Yeah, it's uh, the whole team hasn't played well. Uh, maybe, say, Ben Carter. And he's had some downs the last few games. Right, I mean, but I mean, effort, effort's always there. You, you never, you always notice that with the Ben. But he's, effectiveness. he's stayed consistent in terms of he's going to get you some points. He's going to get you some. Yeah, you can't count on him being your leading scorer. No, he was against Colorado State. Mm-hmm. You know, it, you, if he's leading your team in scoring, you're probably not going to be winning games, right? Because everybody else is playing uh, yeah. like trash. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we we look at. Uh, the other thing that really was the nail in the coffin and that um, after Oscar Belfield and Anthony Marshall, um, we went with three transfers, three basically one-year transfer players at point guard, and none of them have, have uh, worked out for Rice and, and all three of them. And the backup options were... Have have been very limited. Limited, and and when they got their chance, um, you look at Kendall Smith, Daquan Cook struggled early, and then then the injury. It just there's been nothing. I mean, when you've got to put Pat McCaw at point guard for for long stretches and even starts, yeah, it's bad. You're struggling at the point guard he, spot. He's not a point. Deville Smith wasn't a point guard. 
Uh, Cody Dolan was at best a backup in the Mountain West Conference. And Jerome Seegers is probably a backup in the Mountain West Conference. He's probably a two guard. Yeah. Trying to convert it to a one. Yeah, probably. Yeah. um, Because he really struggles with his shot. I mean, as bad as Wyoming is as a basketball team, and make no mistake about it, UNLV lost to a bad team. And I think Colorado State's probably worse. Go no, ahead. I, I, I think I think Wyoming's worse than Colorado State, but both know. both of them are bad. Yeah, they're both bad. Uh, but f- to look out on the court and say the best best backcourt is easily Wyoming's mm-hmm. with that Mc what was it McManahan or McMillan or <laughs> they always have a Mc something yeah. on their team, and and well Josh Adams is good. He's a good player. Yeah, he's an all conference type kid. But um. Yeah, that's what. What does that say? You, you have a top ten, top twenty recruiting class, yet you're looking at Wyoming with a better starting backcourt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of the worst teams in the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm almost uh, interested to see when we play San Jose State. Are they going to be able to overwhelm us? Not without Rashad. Uh, was it Rashad? Muhammad. Yeah. Is that is that his name? What was his yeah. brother's name? Shabazz. Yeah. For, okay. I was getting them mixed up. Yeah. W- without Rashad, maybe not. Um, yeah. I, I looked today at the standings and I, I couldn't believe it. UNLV in the cellar. Next, uh-huh. Just right there with San Jose State. And San Jose State's actually taking a team to overtime. So they. Colorado State. They lost yeah. on the road in overtime. Yeah. So uh, they, they may be. Just uh, a I'd, tick I'd, better. Hopefully UNLV turns around at some point. I don't know that they will. Um, if your guards are going to play like this, we're not going to see much of a difference. No, I, I, I see two things happening, Joe. I see uh, mutiny and half the team wanting to fight and half the team not giving a crap. And then I also see a team that bands together and says, screw the coaches, let's just go out here and win games. And this league's bad enough that UNLV could win it solely on talent and effort. Um, but... I don't know what they're going to do. If uh, you, you like to think, I mean, that's why you let in with the song come together. You, right. ho- you hope the team just sort of, they take a couple players only meetings and they decide, guys, you know what, this is a train wreck, but we have time to fix it. Let's all play together. Let's listen to coach mm-hmm. and stick together and let's get coach Todd's back. But are the coaches even going to have each other's back? I mean, that, that tweet by Stacy's wife tonight, that... Sets a really bad vibe headed uh, yeah. headed into this situation where, Joe, it's it's not only four or five games left for this season. I mean, it's, it's not a, long, a month. Well, we've we're got we're it. talking we've got three three months of this freaking months. It could be rough. That's gonna be a long it, it, time. It, it could be rough. Um, I, I'm interested to see how they come out, though. I mean, all, all you can do is have hope, but not a lot of expectation. I think at this point and. I think it'll be answered shortly whether they're going to rally or fold. And if if they fold, you know that's that's disheartening because you never want to see that. And I mean that that's like a boy, that's a stake through the heart when you see your team not that, when the effort's just not there. Mm-hmm. To, to me, it's just it's sacrilegious because right. you're an athlete and you're a competitor, right? And uh, it's it's going to be interesting as Excuse me. Uh, I think the reason that we weren't able to keep Rice... Mid-season firings are very, 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 very rare in college basketball. 
even college football. Yeah. Uh, maybe professional sports. It happens you, to professional you do sports, it yeah. Because these guys are professionals. Right. They'll take leadership from anybody. Mm-hmm. UNLV couldn't take the chance. Oh, I agree completely. Of Dave Rice r- running the table, making the tournament, making a run in the tournament, and then saying, you know what? We've decided to part ways. We yeah. still don't think you... Yeah, I, I understand UNLV's position in this. Uh, if, if the team was clearly without talent, right. if they were devoid of talent, then you could th- then it. you could wait it out and do your coaching search in the background and all that good garbage. But um, with there being actual talent and actual depth, odds might still not be high because we, we don't know how they're going to react. But the potential is definitely there. I mean, this won't be... A bad team that upset. This won't be even equivalent to back in '98 when UNLV went on their magic run through the WAC tournament and won four games. That that team was not as good as the teams that they no, beat. Hell no. This UNLV team has the talent to do that. So I don't. I I understand why UNLV had to do it now, and uh, I think it was just a timing thing. The last time this happened was Spoon Hour, but it was they claimed health. Well, yeah, so that was an easy one to get. That, that was that's easy. And there was out. only about five games left. If, uh, what was there? I, think, I, I wasn't I think sure. I think we were yeah. mid February almost. Yeah, and and, and, and yeah, it was mid February because we had just played a rare non conference game at Missouri in February and got absolutely blown the hell out. And then on the way back, they said health reasons. He's going to step down. And that that was one of those cases where um, a team rallied a little bit. Sure they did. Behind, uh, did they give them the interim label, and did they name a head coach, or were they co-head coaches? Do you recall? They were they were co-head coaches, which is rare in itself. It was Dave and Jay Spoonhour. Well, I I think the big thing there was they wanted to give Jay the sh- a shot because it's the son, but they also had the loyalty to Dave, right? You know, who had been there since Tark. Hey. And then we saw a style change. We saw more fast pace. We saw more open court type of game. And, and they made a nice little run. And they were the team that lost to Jacobson. Yeah, right? took a Nick Jacobson three-pointer at the buzzer to Basically knock UNLV. Not. Was that the championship no, game? No, that was the semifinals. Okay, that was the semifinals. I couldn't remember exactly. But we would have a shot. I mean, Utah sure. was by far the best team in the league that year. Yeah, that's true. So, uh, if, uh, they went on to clobber their next opponent. Yeah, I can't remember who it was. I but... think it was Colorado State. Or no, it was Wyoming. It was uh, one of the Josh Adams, or not Josh Adams, but uh, Josh Davis game. Oh, teams, you remember Josh Davis. How about that? Yeah. So, you know, it, uh, it it's a really, really rough day for me. Just for the simple fact that I was so high on, on what Dave was going to bring and what... Uh, Basically, how he felt about the program was the way I felt. And I don't think fans totally get that, Joe. I think, uh, you know, they feel like, well, I was around in the 80s and and 70s and 90s. And, you know, it was so electric. Guess what? Dave was part of that team. That's the Mm -hmm. same magic he wanted to bring back. And... uh, Boy, he tried. Yeah, yeah, he did. He did. Uh, did you think he was going to recruit at that level? I knew he was going to recruit at a high no level. Clue, he was going to recruit at that yeah. level. He he tried to hit it out of the park. I think I like my analogy earlier. 
Yeah. You know, he could have probably went with lower level players and played it a little bit more safe and built mm-hmm. from the foundation that was established and yep. built upwards with, with, I don't want to say mediocre players, but four year guys. And, and he would, it's easy to say this in retrospect, obviously. Easy. Um, but um, probably would have had a lot more success. And I think the fans, Fans here aren't the most patient, but if they would have seen that we have four-year players and we're improving year to year, they, they would have been patient enough because they'll recognize improvement right. over years. Instead, he turned out to be uh, even beating Billy Baino by a wide margin, probably the best off-season coach UNLV has ever had. Um, I think every recruiting class that David brought in was – top 10 nationally. Uh, I don't remember a class that he had, but he was bringing in tons of players and he was bringing in four and five stars on almost every one of them. Right. So uh, it, it on paper, heading into the season, UNLV looked like a damn sure lock every single season to make the NCAA tournament and a dark horse to make some noise in the NCAA tournament every year. And one thing is, we always started strong because our players were new and nobody really knew much about them and, and that type of thing. But it seemed like once uh, our league teams got some tape on these guys and, and started taking away their strengths, that's when we seemed to struggle because it we always went into a swoon uh, pretty much from February on. Right. End of January, mid-January on. Hasn't quite started this bad, losing to three teams that you're favored over. That may have happened last year, didn't it? Didn't we start off in conference one and five? Oh, was it really? Yeah, I believe so. Maybe I blacked that one yeah. out of my memory. If I didn't, I wish I would have. Um, so let's look at your highlight of the Dave Rice era. Dave, or Dave. Joe, would... Uh, What's your highlight? I think, I think it had to be. Um, I think everybody will say this too: is beating number one North Carolina because on the heels of what was a feel-good hire for most people, it was validation. There was immediate and very high impactful mm-hmm. success. I mean, you beat undefeated and number one on a neutral court mm-hmm. that was one of those that, that 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 was a ground shaking moment when that happened because it everybody hoped and everybody thought that it was a precursor of things to come um basically it, unlv was back yeah that's what it looked like unlv was back and i think uh you know that's why you saw you, you saw uh after that win you saw a jubilation that was equivalent to winning a conference tournament or or winning an NCAA tournament game. I mean, it was big, and I think it's because it felt like we're back. Well, and then we quickly had Mozilla, and yeah, and I mean, and everything. People rallied. Fire. Yes, they did very hard. People rallied, and uh, so what was the low point? Oh, the low point. Um, I'd say probably um, losing at home to Reno maybe last year because that became kind of a signature from that point on. Mm-hmm. 
if that makes any sense. I mean, there were other bad games that you can't lose, shouldn't lose. Mm -hmm. But that one one game kind of said from this point forward, UNLV's going to struggle. We're we're not going to get over the hump. And then, of course, after that, we had some great moments. I mean, the team we saw in November this year was a good basketball team. Sure was. It was. And they passed the eye test easily. Yep. And to look that different in December and January is just, it blows my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite moment under Rice was probably... The road game at San Diego State. Um, Ken Birch finger wag. Yep. When we went in there and to a spot where Kruger couldn't win. Mm-hmm. And we we beat them up at their own game. Mm-hmm. Defense and effort and energy and talent. And, and uh, we even benched Anthony Bennett for the stretch run in that game. Do yep. you recall that? Yep. Anthony he wouldn't Marshall defend. played amazing. Yeah, uh, Birch played amazing, and guys got after it. We made some big shots, and uh, that that was an awesome game, in my opinion. That, I think that was even on CBS. Yeah, I think it may have been. Might have been. Um, low point for me came in that same year. It was that second year, and. Down the stretch, right as we were getting ready for the NCAA tournament, I believe we lost a, a home game to Fresno State. Do you remember if that's correct? Yeah, we did. I think with Anthony Ke- Bennett and them, those yeah, guys. Kevin Olakabe killed us. Yeah, or yeah. How do you pronounce his I name? I can't say. It. Come on, just for all time. Kevin O. Kevin, Kevin O. Okay. Um, we lost that game, and it was kind of a precursor to what we were going to do, losing in the uh, Mountain West tournament, and then. Losing without even showing up against California, against the team that we had already beaten on their home floor Mm -hmm. earlier in the season. Um, So, yeah, I mean, there was that year actually was the biggest telling point of where UNLV basketball was going to be under Dave Rice. Start out hot look great, and then play awful down the stretch as it got closer to the end of the season and guys were starting to think of getting theirs. And anytime, anytime uh, you always look after a loss. You want to look and, exa- and see exactly how a team reacts after a tough spot um, or a couple of tough spots because that will kind of give you a good clue as to the identity of that team and the toughness of the team. Mm-hmm. When – UNLV hit those spots, it broke them almost without fail. Mm-hmm. Every year. Um, yeah, it was like it was like the first straw broke, and then everything else would fall through. Um, and that that's really unfortunate. It's really disappointing because it's kind of, it's something that, I don't know, you take pride in just the opposite. Mm-hmm. So to see some, to see your team not tough, not mentally tough, oh, I hate it. Yeah. Actually, you can you can take that whole year that Deville Smith was here and, and say that was it. That was just a rotten year. That third year under him. Yeah, it was. I I, I can't remember what the highlights were. I, I know we had a good tournament at the Orleans, beat mm-hmm. some decent teams, Mississippi State, and, and, and they played. Of. But they they played extremely well in those games. Right. Um, 
I can't remember if there was a signature win that year. I believe there was. Hasn't I know there been? was a signature loss. Deville Smith hitting a three-pointer at uh, Boise State. Yeah, that was rough. I, th- I, I think I, I'm not sure. I thought I thought we beat a ranked team that year because it seems like, you know, for for all the knocks that that Rice is going to take, and the, the, this is something else I, I wanted to bring up, and it just it shows you how much he wanted to compete. He could have taken the easy way out of a lot of years. Um, a lot of, co- a, a lot of coaches sure. do. They look, they want to pad the win total because it does look better. And you're going to fool a good percentage mm-hmm. of the general fan base just by number of wins. Mm-hmm. Rice never took that no. approach. I mean, I think this was two years in a row where UNLV had their most brutal stretch of games against ranked teams. I think this year even surpassed last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he was taken on all comers and it, it's much easier you know, I, I know that it wasn't. You sort of have to do that when you play in the Mountain West Conference and you have these elite recruits because you got to get on TV and you got to play good teams. Sure. So you're not going to recruit at that level unless you play these types of games. But he wasn't afraid of them and, and he welcomed them and he had some success in them. In fact, um, I don't know what his record was. Something like 11 and 12 against ranked yeah. teams, which I, doesn't sound fantastic or anything. But when you're not hey. a ranked team and you're going to grab that many wins over ranked teams, what it does is it shows you the potential. Mm-hmm. Of the talent that you've assembled, yeah, to go anywhere close to 500 against ranked teams when you're not consistently ranked, yeah, says you're doing something right, right. And and to me, it was the talent level, and the talent level got up for those particular games. They seem to get bored against the lesser teams, and that shows the flip side of the coin um, mm-hmm. that you know sometimes uh, teams don't play all together if their interest isn't there and if their focus isn't there mm-hmm. they showed how good they can be cuz you don't win 11 fluky games over ranked teams mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it just shows how how good they could be at times and how bad they could be at times we're seeing it here in this season uh indiana they they're a pretty decent team they weren't yeah. playing well at the time but they're a pretty decent they're team they're back to being ranked now yeah and they're playing fantastic. And um, you, know, Oregon. You, you battled um, UCLA to the wire. Mm-hmm. You beat a good org. So they, they showed that. Beat Arizona last year. Right. It was so it was fantastic. Um, you know, I, I just think, I think the highs were high and the lows were way too low. And the ones that were in the middle, or, you know, they, they, they just, it was just too wide of a range. Yep. Yep. The kid, there was just no consistency. It was it was just a program under him that without the foundation you didn't have any level plateauing area. You just had peaks and valleys, peaks yeah. and valleys. And, and as a fan, and that's an but well, what you're drawn is a picture of a roller coaster, and for a fan, that's what it is. It's just an emotional roller coaster, and it's not—it's not a good feeling to go to a stadium not knowing which team is going to show up that particular night. And if it's not a good feeling for us, can't be a comfortable feeling for a coaching staff. Um, no. Just not knowing. And I actually thought this season was going to be his his very best because I sure. thought we had some nice returners coming back. I thought we had a nice foundation. Uh, with Ben Carter and Jerome Seagears, and then also bringing in a, a team guy in Steven Zimmerman as as your star player. And it just didn't work out again. And, and no matter who 
Dave's had on the roster, the same problems have arose. And you just can't have that. I mean, Ike is just the same as any of the other shooting guards we've had in the last three or four years. Mm -hmm. He'll hit some shots when he feels like hitting some shots, and he'll play some D when he feels like playing some D, and he's still going to jack him up. And Pat is the invisible man that you know is really good, but... Is he really good? Um, you know, so something was told to me today. Rated. Um, something, I was talking to a friend, and, and he described Pat, and I think he was right. And, and it sounds kind of harsh. Pat is very, very talented, but he's not good. Mm-hmm. He's not a good player. And I think what he meant by that is, he, you know, to be a good player, you, you've got to have some level of consistency. Yep. And Pat is just either way up or way down. It's mm-hmm. just all over the place. Um, we, we know he's super talented. I mean, you don't, you don't do some of the things he's done without having talent. No, I mean, he looks great out there. That Oregon game, he played phen- oh, yeah. phenomenal. Um, I mean, he, he had, you know, he's, wasn't he all Mountain West first team? Yeah. Okay. And and he was uh, he national made, announcers. He made the uh, Maui Classic first team. Right. And and all the announcers nationally watching. You know, he's the star player to watch. Here's the guy you need to watch for UNLV. And then you don't even know he's on the court. Yep. And uh, all the freshmen that have come in, they're highly decorated. They need to play. I mean, a guy like Derek Jones this year. He he needs to play, but does he help a ton when he's in there? I mean, uh, if the team's not very good, yeah, it's yeah. exciting. He's phenomenal. That's uh, one of the things we talked about on one of the f- first podcasts of the season. I know it was my concern. Yeah, he's exciting as hell. Those YouTube clips look great and all that, but can he play basketball? I think we see that he can play basketball, but he's got a ton to learn, and he yeah. will be very good at some point. But you know, all this talk of NBA and all that garbage that enters these players mind way too prematurely it that that's another one of those things that just uh it's a setback and i don't know i don't know how to effectively protect against that type of thinking or i mean what do you do you recruit different kids well lower level kids and kids without nba aspirations no nba aspirations but realistic nba aspirations i gotta improve i gotta do this i gotta do that Let's go win. I know. it's. Uh, I wish it was as easy as that. I, I wish it was easy I know. to discover them, as you make it sound, because um, I don't know. So, yeah, there you were know, a lot. You know what also caught my attention, though? A guy like Jamal Aits, mm-hmm. who's a blue-collar guy, not very heavily recruited. We got him very late. Very late. Wasn't expecting a lot. And, he's and he lot. bolted. Right. Quick, very quick. What do you get me the hell out of here? Yeah, yeah. Is he playing at BYU? Yeah, is he? Yeah, he's not bad. Um, He was a guy that probably could have helped us for a few years. You know, I don't. It just there's been so many signs that something's wrong, and it was hard to pick up on it. Not to pick up on it, but it was hard to fault because. David always had something else up his sleeve. He was the master, and I've never seen anybody better. When something bad happened, he always had something humongous to throw. What at. was humongous on the tails of that? 
Of Jamal leaving. Well, he probably won a game. But oh, oh. Like. Oh, in, in terms of. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Um, he was he was a g- magician with that. You know, with guys going on television and, and declaring right, right after a big loss. You're talking about just orchestrating the overall yeah, feel yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, timely good news. Turning and, turning bad when the fans were upset or, or right. grumbling. He'd always have something. And... Uh, It'd be a big signing on national TV or right. something like that. Right, would turn the stem of yeah, yeah. how everybody was feeling. It was like he was able to puppet it. He was the maestro. It might have been just luck. No, nah, I, I mean, don't think it was luck. Come on. It was it was all too coincidental. But that's all right. That's all right. That He, he was good at it. Shit. You know, the other thing, um, I, I, I hope, um, you know, the fans... Treat him properly because um, there are a lot of things For could sure. be said about Dave. He could be knocked here and there and everywhere. Um, I think he always treated everybody fairly. Oh, my goodness. Hey, hey, here's the thing. And I, I put this tweet out earlier tonight. Say what you want about what happened on that basketball court for the last five years. But I'll tell you what. Their UNLV can ask for no better ambassador of their athletic department or their basketball team than David Rice. I mean, you will never find anybody say a bad word about him. Right. He, he is he is uber classy, probably to a fault, and treats media members, family, or you know, fr- the the fans. Uh, the kids, the adults, whatever you want to sit down with David, you're going to get a conversation with a normal dude. There's mm-hmm. going to be no ego. There's going to be nothing uh, that makes you feel like less of a person when you are sitting there with Dave Rice. And it doesn't matter who you are. Um, that's why coaches liked him, recruits liked him. Uh, Everybody's media. It didn't matter who it was. You like Dave Rice, so UNLV tonight lost a really, really great ambassador. Anyway, yeah, I still, I still remember there was a long hiatus in, into my actually bumping into Dave when when he wasn't an assistant here when he was doing his time at BYU and uh, and at Utah State. It was um, Oklahoma City, I think. And it kind of surprised me. BYU was in the same pod as, as UNLV back then, so he was in Oklahoma City anyway. But sure enough, sitting there in the middle of the UNLV section, cheering for the Rebels, was Dave Rice. And, and that struck me pretty heavily back then because I mean, here's an employed coach for a rival school. Yeah, exactly. A rival school. And he's rooting the Rebels, one wanting to see him win, and I can't recall if we won or lost. I think that was the game that we were Farouk Nameshed. Yes. Yeah, I believe so. I think that was the game, but you know, it, it was it was kind of neat seeing somebody like that, you know, that, that they still bled it hard enough that they didn't give a crap that they were employed by another university and they didn't care who saw them. Right. You know, that's the thing. This is my team. I'm going to root for them. It would have been better if he was wearing a UNLV sweater or something like that. It yeah, wasn't quite that. Been. You know, that might have been too over the top, but yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's it's a bummer, man. I uh, 
question is, where do we go from here? Where's the program at? And good news, if someone uh, can come in and get the best out of these guys and keep these players and develop them, Dave Rice has put this program in an incredible position to succeed right away for a new coach. And I would think that a new coach being sold on this program to come here, that's something that they'd have to look at, right? I would think so because there's no doubt. I mean, probably the biggest accomplishment, I think, um, Kruger's shown after many years of, of an absence was that UNLV could play on the national stage. They could be a player again. We were a legitimate school again. Um, we weren't able to get over the hump to where the fans wanted to be. And his recruiting was rather bland and kind of pedestrian, you know. Transfer you. Yeah. And then Rice came in, and what he showed was you could recruit the best players to UNLV. It's not taboo. You're not going to get in trouble for it by the NCAA. Mm -hmm. It is a place to play basketball. Of course, Una, or Las Vegas growing into such a basketball mecca over the years sure. helped that. But you still have to go out there and you got to prove it. And you got to prove that you can get players into the NBA. And, and Rice shown that that can be done. And what's left behind now is um, it may be a disjointed team, but it's a talented team. And the talent is there so that when a hire is made, um, you know, depending on who they get, let's let's be realistic. I mean, some people might be fatalistic and say, "Oh, the cover's clean. We we're gonna lose everybody." They're, it's not the way it works. No. Um, what we saw happen with Rice when he took the job was very rare. We For saw every single player. He saved day. every single player, and I believe um, you'll you'll have to quote me on this in terms of the recruiting class. He lost Nigel. Mm hmm. He kept Which was another year away. From it was still in. another year away, yeah. Mm -hmm. he, um, he kept Antley Walker. Yep. He came to an agreement with Grandy Glaze that it would be best probably to f try to find playing time elsewhere. Grandy Glaze. Um, and I don't think there was anybody else in that class, was there? No, it was going to be a horrible class. Yeah, Nigel it wasn't even in that class. Right. So it, but, so and he, Dantley wasn't going to come for two more years. Right. So... Um, but so he kept the team together and that that's very rare. So when the next coach comes in here, I certainly expect transfers. Sure. Sure. Um, but I will say this, he, he's got, whoever comes in here is going to have some experience. He's mm -hmm. going to have a third year Pat. He's going to have a third year Dwayne. He's going to have a third year Jordan. Well, I mean, assuming they don't transfer, I mean, the only ones that are going to be fifth year Ben, the, the only, the only ones that are going to be bound are Obepka and Ben Carter. Mm-hmm. Everybody well, else. That's a pretty good starting point. Well, right I, there, I agree too. because that, that, that's a good front court. But that's not going to – you know, I expect a couple players, two, three, to bolt. But when they bolt, what happens is you create holes in your roster and others that might be thinking about leaving now have more opportunity. Mm -hmm. So that helps you retain some. Um, I think it becomes a little bit more dicey with the recruits. Mm -hmm. um, Where do I fit into the plans? Yeah, Did it like uh, it, me? It, it's a lot more difficult now. Granted, if they, they sign their letters of intent, they're bound to the university. But a university, if a kid doesn't want to come, um, a university's typically yes. going to let a kid out of a letter. But um, whoever the next coach is, they'll 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 get to talk to these recruits, and if they want them, they'll be able to re-recruit them. And and there may be 
some retaining of the recruits. And I still, if I see Kristoviak on campus, no, if you see Kristoviak <laughs> or or Bobby Hurley on campus, right. we're in trouble because we're, we're in big trouble. They're they're the kings of the poach. Um, so, you know, it's it's hard, it's really hard to say with the recruits. Um, I wouldn't be shocked uh, uh, to see Derek Jones go back east. Maybe. Maybe, maybe not. It depends. It, it really does. De- and now, if, if you get a coach with strong NBA ties, um, that might be appealing to somebody like Derek because mm-hmm. his goal is the NBA. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the first name that tossed out there and it's got heavy legs was, was Mike Brown. I don't know enough about the guy, but we do know he has an NBA background. So mm-hmm. I can't say whether that's appealing to Derek or not. But you would think that a guy with NBA um, connections, strong NBA connections, or a guy who has a. He'd be. He, he, I'm not going to compare him to George Carl at all because George Carl is one of the best coaches of all time. But it'd be a similar situation. He'd be coming into the conference with his son playing in the conference, yeah, and get to watch him. Huh. That's what that's what was going to happen with George and, and his Kobe. son up in Boise, right? So it, it and then the other option, you know, in, in terms of. The recruits that are on board, um, they've all pledged today that they're still on board, but you expect he, that. He said he hasn't talked to Justin. Justin's the only he, one that has Justin, Justin, Justin will be here if Todd's here. Yeah, and Justin loves Las Vegas. So. Yeah, he does, but I don't think he'll be here if it's an all-new staff. Right. I honestly don't. And, in fact, if it's an all-new staff, I wouldn't be surprised if you lost every recruit. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how it goes because they have their relationship with their guy, and it's usually an assistant. And if that assistant's not there, their recruitment's wide open, and, and, and which is unfortunate because you have somebody like Jalen Fisher that actually looks like a real-deal, true point guard. I know. Um, that's one you really don't want to miss out on, but that's the next coach's decision who he's going to retain, if anybody, and whether he can re-recruit these kids to come out here. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's going to be interesting. Um, the thing is, uh, you know, the bet is made, and while well, not quite when a coach is named, the bet is made, and, and fans have to be prepared to sort of assess the situation and maybe step back from expectations for a year or two and give whoever it is the, you know, the guy a little bit of a chance to breathe, get his feet wet, and get his team in here and all that. The same, you'd expect that with any coach. Unfortunately, it typically does not happen in Las Vegas. What about a guy with strong foreign ties? And he brought in almost an exclusively all-foreign team, but they played amazing team basketball, looked electric on offense, and didn't play any defense. Do you have somebody in mind? No, I got No, I, I bet that's something. No, you're throwing something out there. Are you getting tired? No. Are you getting loopy here? No, no. Just, no, yeah. that's, that's not going to fly. Well, um, because I'm just digging that. Because a lot of foreign players and everything come through here with the summer leagues and all that stuff. I didn't know, you know. Well, you know what? It's tough enough to get the transcripts figured out between a kid from Canada That's into true. the U.S. That now when you start talking foreign, just the clearinghouse in itself. Plus, is, how is many roost suits do you need? Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, now I, I, I really don't know. We don't know what the money situation is yet at UNLV. We know that UNLV in general is not in good financial shape, and this is um, 
if UNLV wants a really good coach, the boosters are going to have to step up. It's as simple as that. Uh, UNLV is only going to be able to incur a uh, small portion of that type of contract. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know how high they'll go because it is now you're at, you're telling them you got to split with your money. You can't threaten to to split with your money. You're going to have to actually give it. So what if what if Todd runs off ten straight to end the year and then wins a Mountain West Conference tournament? Um, if something like that happens, it wouldn't be ten straight. It would actually be no, no, no. It goes three and two in the next five games, and then they win ten straight to finish the year. And then they win the Mountain West tournament. Then I would think that um, would he be considered? I don't know. I I don't think so, but I don't know. And It'd be hard not to, right? I, I think he'd have to. He'd have to enter the conversation. I'd I'd hope so. Mm-hmm. I'd hope so, but I, maybe I'm jaded and I've been around Las Vegas long enough um, to know that, that a deal would have already been done. Yeah, that, that, that uh, in my mind, a principal deal may have already been made. Uh yeah, something like that, or is in, in, in very close to being done, or 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 is a handshake yeah. waiting to happen. Yeah, so something like that, and then at that point, the whole Kruger Carl situation. Then happened. that's that's what becomes unfortunate because then you got a segment of the fan base and segment of UNLV that doesn't want to see success here on out because Their it hampers be. it hampers what they want to do because they want it to be as quiet and as seamless as possible. Yeah, they'll put it this way: one of the worst things to happen to UNLV in, in terms of a conundrum was. Um, when George Carl showed interest in the job after, 10, 12 years ago. After Kruger had already been... Well, no, no. Kruger, they went through the process, and Kruger was hired after that. That's, you know, what we are led to believe. Right. But Kruger was already hired. Kruger was probably hired before Spoon was stepped right. down. exactly. Okay. So that deal was done. And then now, all of a sudden, they because you remember what it was like. Yeah. It was UNLV insane. was stealing pictures and stealing signs. We had that Scrub sh- running around the concourse they, they, with they George Carl faces. They absolutely <laughs> wanted nobody to know that George Carl was interested in the job because they already have a deal in principle, and that's the way things work at UNLV. So that's why I feel for Todd. I think it's tough to wear an interim tag as it is. Um. You don't know what the players are going to do. You don't know how they're going to react to that. If they're going to just have a total lack of respect because they know you're not going to be there the next year, mm-hmm. whether they're going to rally on your behalf, you just don't know which way it's going to go. And if a hire is made behind the scenes, you know, Todd will know about it. I mean, he's not a dummy. He's going to have enough connections to know if something's right. done. Um, then it's a moot point, really. Mm-hmm. I just... Our last two hires, it's really been rough because with the with the whole Kruger-Carl thing, we had Carl guys and we had Kruger guys. Mm-hmm. When Kruger would lose a game, well, if we had George Carl. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then the whole freaking Rice and Theus thing. Every time Rice did something wrong, a game was lost, or we played too close to a team – Theus would have run that team out of a gym. He's not running at all. Look at their scores. Right. You know, the, the, there's a division from the start. The, uh, oh, I'm, I'm so, so tired of that. I'm so tired of division before a coach coaches his first game. It is absolutely insane and it is tiring. Um, yeah, the the lack brutal. of the lack of unity in this fan base, the the amount of pettiness. And Hell, it even happened tonight. It happened tonight with the interim. 
Yeah. Freaking Todd gets the interim. Whatever. It 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 really doesn't matter who is tabbed as the interim head coach. I truly believe that. Todd gets the interim head coach, and half the half the uh, UNLV fans. Ah, Stacy getting screwed again. I mean, right. I know. So then they'll they'll hope that Todd's failing exactly, so that Stacy looks better. Right. It's insane, dude. I'm. Uh, I've been. You've read my posts on the site over the last mm-hmm. last couple of weeks. It's just it's it's tiring. It's exhausting. It feels like a battle that just keeps going on and and you can't win and ultimately you know who suffers the the fans suffer the school suffer the school suffers the program suffers you know he doesn't get what they want and I'd love to see just complete backing of a program none of these idiots in the background trying to make things more difficult than they have to right. be but I know better T I've been here for I mean, I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to cross over my 500 straight home game this year. Yeah, and we're, we're getting so, to 500 new coaches, too. Yeah, I know. I don't need a coach per game. but hey, um, he, Here's the only thing I request from the new coaching search, coaching hire, all the above. I don't want to hear the word my guy anymore. I want to hear our guy. You're not Whoever gonna, it is, it's our guy. Hear, you're not going to hear it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. But you're not going to hear it. That's um, all I ask. You know, there there are very few people that could be hired uh, with unanimous approval, and all of those coaches would probably cost you in excess of $3 million per year. Okay, if you bring Bill Self here, you're not going to hear a single fan whine. No. Okay. That Why they, didn't that, you get Archie Miller? He's the, he, it's no, you're not you're not gonna hear a single fan whine, but the money is not there. If the boosters don't step up in a huge way, somebody like that and somebody of that stature, if you were gonna get them, they'd be going from what you have to assume is a pretty damn good support system <laughs> right. into this toxic waste dump that's at UNLV. I'm you know how he felt about it. It's not because Rice was fired or resigned or whatever it was. It's been like this forever, and I felt like this forever because I've absolutely seen it, and it is depressing. Mm-hmm. It's the worst. Folks, we're going to wrap this thing up tonight. It's just uh, it's been a rough day in terms of being a Rebel fan once again. Any uh, predictions on the next game? Yeah, we play... We play New Mexico on Tuesday night. My prediction is come out and and, and support. Yeah, I don't want to see three thousand people there. No. That would suck. It's a, it's a bad reflection on the city, and and it just says a lot about the fan base. Yeah, if, if they don't show, I, yeah. mean, I, I don't expect a sellout or anything like that. But the fans should come out and and try to rally behind the guys, rally behind. Because I don't Stacey. think this, I don't think this team's quit yet. No, I, I haven't seen that. I've seen more. I, just I, well, think I, I not take that back a little bit. Um, I've seen it out of a couple players, maybe. Um, the majority couple. haven't. But yeah, I, I don't. I don't see any real quit. Um, and until we see that, you know, I, well, I'll go even if they quit, and I'll just, you know, wear a bag. Well, just have you ever of, worn a paper bag with holes in it? Because I think just, that would just just when I had probably sex with be your sister, wait, uh, or no, yeah, she, she put it on she me. She was gay. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no, I I can't I can't do that. I'd rather um, I'd rather just sit just and root for my team and hope, and then you know. But 
I don't know. It's kind of an apathetic type of, it just becomes an atmosphere. And, and I'll be quite honesty. If I wasn't on this ridiculous streak of straight home games, there, there would have been games I would have skipped in the last 10 years. Um, I might even contemplate about not going this week. I No, I doubt it. I'd be there because right now is probably when a team needs you more than anything, and that's usually when I str- show up the strongest. I don't know. It's uh, <laughs> so, Something's got to break my streak so I could take some games off when I need to. There you go. Maybe this should be it. Nah, nah not yet. No, not, not when a bunch of guys, they still have something to play for, and... um. If they quit, then and it's evident that they quit, then I might. Plus, consider... they get you out of the house for a few hours. Oh, that's, you can't that's forget the truth. that. That's the truth. <laughs> it's, Honey, it's, I got I gotta go to the game. You, you know, they need me. Uh, T, my my life is um, work, and screaming children, and then watching the kids when I'm not at work. The only break I get sleeping is, is and rebels. Well, yeah, the sleeping's not really a break because I'm woken up half of the time. Because you're dreaming about the rebels. No, no. So yeah, the, the rebels right now they're they're my coffee break. Yeah, there you, you know, go. In, in my day, that's kind of what it's like. So um, I don't know. It's it's kind of um, you know, me last for the next eighteen years yeah, till they go to college. But <laughs> I mean, I can't say I'm excited because I don't have a good feeling. Um, just based on what I saw. I don't know. I'm hopeful that they'll rally around Todd. I, I don't have the best feeling in the world about the whole thing. But, yeah, um, you know, it's it's the life of being a Rebel fan. You know, this is kind of what it's become. Well, make sure you're paying attention to the site. I'm sure in the next uh, oh, week, there's There's a ton of names weeks. out there already, and yeah. people are going to pick their guy, and yeah. they're going to say it's their guy, and they're going to say, you didn't pick my guy, so I hope everything goes to hell. A lot of people on the site, just just throwing out some names real quick of, of some people. Because I asked on Twitter tonight, I said, uh, if you had your way and you got to make the decision, who would you pick as coach tonight? We saw some interesting names, Joe. Uh, the Dan Marley one definitely intrigues me. I think oh, it would intrigue me, too. He, he'd be a great hire here. It would um, also indicate that you have plenty of money. <laughs> yeah. And then you quickly reminded me that uh, Grand Canyon is... Colangelo. Phoenix Suns, yes, big contract. Uh, They're but, red hot. He's a hot coach, right? Colangelo though likes it in Vegas. Yeah, but I think he's got some type of in at Grand Canyon that I don't know what the deal is. He's trying to build it as a Phoenix thing. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know that that's a real. I mean, there's a lot of unrealistic options out there. Uh, the the uh, Sam Houston State guy, or not Sam Houston State, but. One of the Texas schools, smaller Texas schools, I saw that guy's name. Well, the, the Steve Lavin one made me laugh. I just, oh, and, and that's one thing people have got to realize when they're watching with the coaching search. Um, a lot of times, coaches are their, you know, they'll get a hold of their agent or their people, and they'll float their name out there, even if there's zero interest on their end and zero or zero interest on UNLV's end, because they need their name out there circulate and they need their name to pick up some momentum because they're looking for a job that's going to open around Final Four weekend. That's when, you know, the jobs open up at the end of the season. So people like to get their names out early. UNLV is the first major job to open up. So you're, you're going to see a lot of smokescreen names out there. Eleven, Eleven might be the the one name that would, unless Raleigh came back. Yeah. Somebody asked me that tonight. They said, well, who do you support? And I said, you know, there's probably five guys off the top of my head that, 
I absolutely positively could not support. And those were people like Raleigh Massimino, Seth Greenberg, who I hate to right. death from when he was at Long Beach State. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a Jim Herrick. Yeah. You know, Dave Bliss. Yeah, Dave Second Bliss. Second chance for Dave right. Bliss. If, if you're going to name them as a head coach, you know, I'm calling it quits as a Rebel fan. I just can't support this. So who do I support? Even to the South. Yeah, who do I support? I'm going to support whoever gets the job. Right. Um, you know, it, it really doesn't matter. Because it's um, going to be our guy. It, it's still, because, I mean, the, you're, you're a UNLV how, fan. How would you feel if, if, if we buckled and hired Reggie Theus, though? Ugh. I'd be uh, really, really Would I support him? him? Yeah, I'd support him. I just, I, I'd have a ton of concerns. <laughs> I'd have a ton of concerns. I mean, um Northridge just went on probate, not probation. What did they get? They they got a post self imposed postseason postseason ban. Is that what yeah, it was for, for academic. academic fraud? Right. Um, that that's a tough one to bring in your resume jacket to UNLV. Yeah. It's just it's kind of it's not one red flag. It's several red flags. The other thing is, um, you know, he's in in a sense he's had while Rice was here at UNLV, he's had a four five year audition. Mm-hmm. At Cal State Northridge, and I don't know what his record is, but it's abysmal. I mean, what is he like, thirty or forty games below five hundred at Cal State Northridge? Yeah. And when when you look at the games, if when you look at the wins, I mean, he he may have won what twenty five games at Cal State Cal State Northridge. Fifteen of those teams are like the same Cal quality as is Saint Catharines. No, they're schools named. I I, I looked at it. Today, schools named Vanguard and like Vanguard. That was a, that that was a video game, game. Yeah, yes, yeah. back in the eighties. Yeah, um, you know, just I mean, schools you've never, never heard of, and uh, you know, that's half of or nearly half of his wins. So, so it's not like would I be disappointed? Yeah, I'd be disappointed because I, I would feel like it was uh, a step uh, in the wrong direction. Yeah, you, you're hiring somebody just solely on the name at that point because they do have a track record and the track record's poor. It's one thing to hire somebody with little track record. Mm-hmm. It's another thing to hire somebody with a poor track record. Would I support him? Yeah, I would support him. It's I'm a UNLV fan. I'm going to support him. He's not one of the five guys that I'd have on my list. I think I named them all. Um, but I just think it would be. And, and, and for the record, it's not going to happen. I no, mean, I know. You know, you threw it out there like it was a possibility. It's No, I said, what if? Yeah, it would just, it, I, I think it would make UNLV look bad. UNLV hires a coach with a 39% winning percentage. It would right. just look bad. What about uh, the two West, West Coast guys? The one at Irvine that's having a lot of success. And also Dan Munson at Long Beach State. You know, I, I've I I got to be quite honest with you. When it comes up to studying on which coaches would be good for UNLV, I'm way behind. Okay, I cannot tell you who'd be a good fit. I've I've seen all the names out there with the rest of you. I don't have a favorite because I don't know enough. I mean, Mike Brown, for instance, um, he's definitely an early front runner. There's no question in my mind about that based on the information I have. Um, that doesn't mean he's going to get it. There's mm-hmm. still, you know, there'll still be a ton of hurdles to clear for that. But um, the good news is we have heard that he won't take any silliness from boosters. Right? Yeah, that, that, that was the one thing. That's but, a positive. But, well, it's a positive, but it also may, may make it an impossibility to get the job. Which is fine. You know, but um, at least I mean, he's, if that's true. he's a man of principle and yeah. doesn't want to have to deal with that horse shit. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, in that sense, yeah, I'd, 
be all for it. And he's a disciplinarian. He's supposed to, uh, you know, I just don't know enough about the guy. But if that's who they hired, I'm going to be there next year just as I was this year, just as I was 20 years ago. Mm. Uh, that's just kind of the way I roll. We go, we see how it goes, and so you support them as much as you can, and, and you support them until the very end, and, and then you move on to the next. The, the, what I don't like about UNLV is we keep moving on to next yeah. in these five- and six-year increments, and we're doing the same things over and over and over again. It's not, you know, Rice is, this is a groundhog season to last year and the year before, but it's a, it's, it's a groundhog program. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're stuck in a rut. But it's a quarter century rut. It's, <laughs> is that really a rut? That's half of your history. That's half of your history of your school. It's more than half of your D1 experience. So, You've been stuck in a rut. So then the real question is, is this what UNLV basketball is? It, if the fans allow it to be, yeah, I think it is. I think it is. Is to say I, make the tournament once every few years and be happy? Uh, no, I, you know, whenever fans become fully satisfied um, with where we're at or where we've been, I, I honestly think you fade into oblivion and you become San Francisco, mm-hmm. the University of San Francisco. For people that don't know, they were a once great program. Monster. Monster program. And now they're... Best player in the country. Yeah. And now they're mired in the bottom of the cellar at in the WCC. They're just insignificant now. They've had one great player, and we got them. Yeah. Cody Doolin. No, but sure. um, yeah, I, I, th- I think, I really think as, as much as our fans discuss us sometimes, disgust me sometimes, they're the last remaining hope. Because they keep pushing because, until we win. Because they still have hope, and they still hold on to some high standards. I don't have hope with the administration at UNLV. I don't have hope with the way the boosters run around at UNLV. I don't have a hope in the infrastructure or any of that. I don't have hope with UNLV being in what, what conference are we in the big West? Oh, mountain West. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really don't. Uh, so I, I pray that the fans don't let go of it. That that's the only thing that could hold UNLV to, to a standard um, to, to get them to improve. The only other thing I could see is if um you know, behind the scenes, UNLV is really as jockeying, like we've heard, you know, to get into the next round of conference expansion. And UNLV is able to sneak in to one of the Power Five. I think once you get into the Power Five, the game changes because the money's there all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. With UNLV not being in a Power Five, I th- I, I really think, um, you know, we, we had the whole are we a major or a mid-major argument today on the site. UNLV is a mid-major. Right now, sure. When, But when weren't we? When Tark was here, mm-hmm. that's the only time UNLV wasn't a major. We were a major program in a mid-major conference, sort of like Gonzaga is now. Right. Except we're we're better than that. Since then, we're a mid-major. Yep. We like to think we're more You're because we cry. No, you'd like to think we're more because we won a national championship and we have four Final Fours, and you, usually that throws you into a major status. But when you can only pony up. $800,000 for a head coach when the going rate at in a Power 5 conference is $2 million a year, you're going to be a mid-major. Mm-hmm. When you can't afford to finish the interior of the Mendenhall Center in three years, you're a mid-major. Mm-hmm. 
That so so do you lower your expectations and expect mid major results? I, I don't want to. No, I don't want to either. And I, and that's what I'm saying. I don't think the fans can because they're they're the last ones holding out hope. UNLV could care less. The school. They're still going to get the money whether we win or lose. Right. It's you know they they if if we hit a certain level that's acceptable to them, which is probably a little bit better than what we are now, they're going to be okay with it. Mm-hmm. So it's the the fans are the ones that are going to have to stay strong. They're going to have to come together. Come together. You like that song, don't you? Well, I think it uh, signifies exactly what we got to do right now. We got to we got to rally and and hope that there's something positive going to happen soon. Rice is out. We'll see what happens Tuesday night, New Mexico. Hopefully, we see you guys all there Tuesday night. Take care.